say that being here, I know that Jimmy's daughter and son of law were running from Ian. Thank you for them, but they have a place to come to. Pray for those that have been touched by this uh, hurricane. Uh, certainly, uh, it's devastating. Death toll is climbing. I'm out on the We serve a God who is in control. That one didn't get away from him. He's aware that you see a lot of things like this happen. If you go all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, you'll find the answer. Uh, God told Adam and Eve the day that you eat, thou shalt surely die. That day forward, man has paid for the price of sin. And I'm not saying any one particular person did anything to cause this or that. But it is the price of sin of mankind. And we certainly uh, pay a heavy price for that. Uh, it is hard. Uh, I know right now some people who uh, have been diagnosed with a different sickness. I've talked to someone Thursday night. Uh, football game, she, she basically broke down and started crying right there. And she said, you know, tell me about the dad and things that he would be going through. And, uh, it's hurtful. Uh, it's painful when these things happen. Right? And people say, why does this happen? And it always goes back to that same answer. Genesis chapter 1. But I'm thankful for John 3.16. Because of Genesis chapter 3. John 3.16. Right. And I'm thankful that God did control me. And I'm thankful we have a hope beyond this world. We have a calling. Yes. The church, I'm telling you, uh, I don't want to rant and rave about this too much, but I'm telling you that uh, you don't know if you have tomorrow or not. Yeah, I'm worried about the rapture. I'm worried about the fact that I hope it comes today. I'm worried about the people who will be left behind. Yeah. But I'll be more concerned if you're not ready to meet Jesus about today, right? Amen. Hey, you may not make it. Right? Be right. You don't have that hope. You don't have that promise. You know, without Jesus Christ, all of your hopes of the U.S. government, congratulations and friends, good luck, but you will need it. And below that, your hope is in the state government. Your hope is right there, too. And below that, your county government. Or not now, maybe a little town to live in, maybe a little mayor. I don't know. But that is all that you've got to hope. Right? Because you're a employer and you're a government. You have nothing else to put your faith and confidence in. You have the medical teams of this world. You realize that America ranks way down in the, in the field of medical care in the world. We're not number one. We're like the You know that. And it doesn't matter if we are number one. There's not so much modern medicine to do. And I'm thankful that God can do everything and anything that comes beyond His power except break His word. Thankful that. I don't know why all that was there, but anyway. James chapter 5, James chapter 5. I'll do my best to get you out of here. Chapter 12. James chapter 5. We are coming down to the end of this book. We're going to preach it to it for the last two or three months. And I'll have one more message after this one in this particular book. Again. James, a half-brother of Jesus, he uh, has some things that he covers throughout this book that he reiterates, and he, he, he gets on a few times, and we'll hit on some of those today. James chapter 5, verse 1. Everybody there? Amen. Well, I was going to now, you rich, weeping high off your miseries that shall come upon you. 
Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered in the rusty land to be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. He hath heaped treasures together in the last days. Behold, the, fight, the hire of the laborers who have refound their fields, which is a few cat back by fraud. Christ, and the cries of them that have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbath, I'm not real sure how you pronounce that one. But anyway, he hath lived in pleasure on the earth, and have been one. He hath nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. He hath condemned and killed the just, and he doeth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband who waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and later rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Grudge not one another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happily which endure. Ye have heard the patience of Job, and have seen him the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender mercy. Thank God for that. Yeah. But above all things, I might swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, may your yea be nay, and your nay be nay. Father, we thank you again for this time together. And God, I praise you for your word. God, I praise you for the, uh, the examples that it has, God, the instructions that it gives us. It's everything we know about you and everything we know about us. God, we can get ourselves puffed up and right with our thoughts and knowledge of what we've heard and figure out that God, your word has already been there and done that and figured that out. And God, I thank you that you have chosen, Lord, to and give us your Son, and God died on the cross for us to rise him again the third day for our justification of sins. Thank you, Lord, that we have you as our Lord and Father. And God, I have you to count on in this world, God, and I know what's ahead of me one day when I live here. We praise you and thank you. God, give me the words here at this time. God, use me as you see fit, Lord. I'm better. God, I'm not even better than anything. Lord, I need you, Jesus. This is about you. And I pray that people leave you and say, Lord, God, we serve. Lord, if there's anyone here inside of my voice, it's not meant to be. I pray that God will speak to your heart today. Bless them, Lord, for something on anybody's heart, God, that they need to do with you about helping you today. Jesus, may we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, as we look at this, uh, there's some things I want to try to point out as we go through this and tell you about. And I notice that uh, if we look and that this chapter opens up, and if you go back in chapter 4, he says, go to now. He's talking about riches and people going and, and doing things on their own, thinking, well, I'll gain this or I'll gain that. I don't need God. And I, I got this thing figured out. And God is telling that he doesn't. And throughout this, um, we see that Jesus is trying to give us examples throughout his word over and over and over about tomorrow and how we count tomorrow and how we can't do that. We don't have that opportunity. Now, in doing this, James is bringing this letter to an end. You've heard me say this before in our epistles, in our Bible, especially epistles, as uh, the, the, the chapter is closing and it's coming down, we're giving our final remark, we're giving our final statement. They're wanting to say, This is what I want to leave you with. I'll remind you of some things that I've read before, and I'm going to give you some things to think about. And we see that he's comparing uh, the people of lesser value financially to those who are much more greater financially. Now, I'm not saying everybody that does this uh, in the Bible, 
Uh, but here we see that they are taking great advantage of the people. In the Bible days, there was not a middle class for the most part. It was either rich or poor. There was not much in between. And in this day and time, especially in America, we're seeing that gap starting to grow more and more. In a lot of worlds today, a lot of places in the world today, I'll give about a second, that is extreme. It's been that way for a long, long time. And sometimes people get to the and just take it back. How often have you been wrong or felt like at least you've been wrong? You've been done wrong by a boss, by a company. Uh, I know I hear people complain today that nobody's loyal to companies anymore. That's probably true. And I also hear people complain that companies are loyal to the people anymore. That's probably true. Both are true. Yeah. Nobody wants to be loyal because they're afraid somebody will turn around and stab them in the back. Right. Probably so. But if you're suffering, you might very well be right where God puts you. You realize that. And someone is noticing how we respond to suffering and to be alone, and God will use that for His glory if you only trust Him and yeah. be patient. Right. Uh, so we can count this be dependable for God. If for nothing else, be dependable for Him. Yeah. You may not want to be dependable for your company, and I understand that. You may not want to be dependable for friends who won't help you back, or family who seems to always turn their back on you when you need them, or for whatever the case may be. You may be wrong some way, somehow, but be dependable for God and for nothing else. Instead of saying, I'll get them before they get me, how about saying, you know what, I'll let God handle them and I'll do the right thing. I'm supposed to do it, I'm doing the right. And that is where we need to realize that that is what we need to do and understand in our life that God is watching. Now let's go through this, and I'll try to explain some things to you. Let me try to preach uh, this, but not be late with the points here to get you out of here a decent time. I want you to have roast chicken, not roast bread. In verse 1, it says, Go to now your rich men, we for half your miseries that shall come upon you. We have put, and the Christians still do it sometimes too, we have put so much emphasis in the things that we have. And no doubt, this hurricane just came through. There were some families, some men, women, that had put all their focus on their belongings, everything they ever worked for, in one little swoop, and in one night, was blown away and destroyed. I've seen pictures already of people that been trying to protect things. Uh, I saw one where a guy had his antique cars. He thought he had them protected. He thought he had them shielded. And the next picture you see, they're laying upside down out in the parking lot. Yeah. Listen, you cannot put your hope in things in this world. Okay. If you put your promises in them, you will be crying miseries in his coming. Right. And verse 2, he says, your riches are corrupted. And your garments are moth eaten. In other words, they lied, cheated, and sealed to get what they wanted. We see anymore something that's more and more common is what we call Ponzi schemes. Yeah. For those of you that don't real sure what that means, that means I'm going to look at you and I'm saying, I'll tell you what, I got an investment company. Here's my proof that I have been returning a 10% profit. If you'll give me your money, I'll see to it you make 10% profit. And you believe me. And you hand me your money. And I say, and say, so I go home, and I collect thousands of millions of dollars, and all along, I'm not imagining anything for you. I'm still never dying of it. That's becoming very common in our day. We see that there's so many times there's corruption in things, and here in the Bible, what James is telling them, that yes, they have been corrupt, 
and everything that they had done, their garments are moth eaten. In other words, you got that corruption that leaving with you. Verse 3 says, You go and silver's table, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have eaten treasure together for the last days. Thank God I don't have to worry about my treasures here. I want my treasures laid up over yonder, not here. Because the treasures here will fall and fail. They have gathered all that they could get. Instead of sharing, instead of uh, some bosses and some companies, instead of placing their employees, they, instead of trying to return some of them back and realizing who got them there, they heap everything they can possibly get. They could care less about their employees. And every one of us somewhere, if you be honest, you have felt that way somewhere, somehow, sometime in life. Someone has done you wrong. It seems like it so often. Verse 4 says, Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. There it is. They kept back what they should have given them. Cry. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord and Sabbath. In other words, that is an army that is not protecting you, that is not hearing you, and he will come to your rescue. So we see that the, that the cries of the people were reached the ears of the Lord. Let me tell you, when I read my Bible, anytime the cries of the people reach the ears of the Lord, there's usually results from that. Yeah. And God is not happy. Yeah. In verse 5, it says, He hath lived in pleasure from the earth and been one. He hath nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. In other words, you've allowed people to die. You've taken complete advantage of people. And you build up for yourself. You have run over people. You have robbed them. You have stolen from them just to make your heart happy with no conscience. You have done these things. This is getting ready to apply us. Don't worry. I hope I'm not preaching. Anybody in here that's done people like this in the business like, I don't know. Verse 6 He have condemned and killed the just. And he doth not resist you. Basically, what he's saying here is that you have wronged people to death and they still submit to you and it does not affect you one bit. Let me ask you a question. In your life, you're dealing with people. Number one, don't be corrupt in dealing with others. Right. You may not own a business, you may not be getting wealthy, but every one of us has something to do with people in our lives. And too much of the time, we see people take advantage of people. It may not be on a scale of millions of dollars. It can be on a scale of simple handshake and a few pieces of hay. But nevertheless, don't be corrupt with people in your life. As a Christian, treat people correctly. Be honest. Be upfront. Be sincere. Don't be corrupt in the way that these rich people here are doing things to the people we see it yet today. You cannot do that and get by with it. God will see that. Don't be corrupt with others. Amen. You're dealing with you. Verse 7, he says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, and then the coming of the Lord. He's saying, Hey, just hang on. The word patient here goes some two words in the Greek, and it means long suffering. And so be patient, therefore, brethren, to the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband labored from the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. 
And he gave his verse 18 to me. He also paints establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. I personally believe the interpretation here is that the Lord, not so much the Lord is coming back in the rapture, but the Lord is coming to rescue you, coming to help you, right. coming to avenge you, coming to set things straight. Yeah. And let me tell you, if you'll do what's right and be patient and let God guide you, He will right the wrong if we only let Him do it too much of the time. Don't do that. Number two, don't doubt he's coming. He's coming. Let me go ahead and put it like this too. He's getting ready to come back to this church, folks. I'm telling you, the time is probably now. I read just this week that in America, you realize that we are about two years away from being a financial company that doesn't overuse paper money. You also realize that in Texas, there's red heifers that just sent to Israel. You understand the red heifers, what it takes to anoint a new priest to start the daily sacrifice. You and I are gone before the daily sacrifice even starts. We're close. We're getting ready to be delivered from this mess. But until then, don't doubt God. Be patient. Look for the coming of the Lord. Quit looking at the situation. Quit looking at how you're wrong and how you should be done this way and how you should be done that way. And you deserve this and you deserve that. If you and I got what we deserve, we would die and go to hell. Thank God he's merciful. I don't get what I deserve. Hey, the husband waits. He said, the husband waited for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he see the early and latter rain. In Israel, they plant crops at different times than we do, and they have to have two rains. One in that it won't be our fall, and one will be our early spring. But that would be when they gather their crops. And here we see that there's one thing you cannot do. And you can't make a rain. He said, be also patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. In other words, get yourself established in the Lord. Hey, don't doubt he's coming. Don't be corrupt in dealing with others. Don't doubt he's coming. Trust Jesus for what he said he is and who he is. And don't doubt him. Establish your hearts in him. Not in your situation. Not in how people treat you. Not in what they say to you. Not in what they do for you. Establish your hearts in Jesus. He is the only one that's never going to do you wrong. You can trust him. Verse 9. I'm trying to hurry here. It says, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge stands before the door. <clears throat> Notice what he says here again in verse 10. It says, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of self-reflection and of... Is everybody reading along with me? And of patience. How many times does he mention patience already? As I said, it means long-suffering. You and I sometimes must be long-suffering. But if you'll trust God, if you'll keep your focus on Him, He will get glory from you. People will notice. People will take knowledge of that. They're watching to see how you respond, how you react, and how you uh, turn around and treat people and treat things when you have been wrong and when you deserve something right. Hey, it is being noticed. And let me tell you something. Jesus is taking account of every one of those things. The prophets have spoken in the name of the Lord to give us an example of suffering afflictions and patience. 
He says in verse 8, Brush not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge sat before the door. Let me ask you a question. When he says brethren, who do you think he's talking about? The church. He's not talking about people outside the world that's expecting to act like heathens. He expects us not to. We know the world's going to act like heathens, but we shouldn't. I've said many times, one of the funniest, greatest statements I've ever heard, I guess, someone made, it's a church is like a boxing match. We shake hands and come out fighting. That's not much how the church is sometimes. Instead of getting along, instead of forgiving one another, and then the long serving towards people in Sunday school class, we discuss my faults may not be your fault because I struggle with something, you struggle with something different, does not give me the right to look down on you because your struggles are mine. But we do. He says, Grudge not against one another. He said, hey, behold, the judge is standing before the door. He's right here to judge you and I. He requires the Bible teaches us to judge ourselves. So God is less likely to judge you and punish you for your sins. Amen. Am I making sense? Yeah. And he says, take my brethren prophets who have spoken the name of the Lord for an example of suffering reflection and of patience. There he mentions patience again. For those of you that's been here for a while and remember read the book of James, there's one thing he mentions throughout this book. Does anybody remember what it is? Patience. He covers been patient a lot of places. He covers watch what you say and do a lot of places. He covers being an understanding of the situation where you have faith in Jesus because your faith should show evidence that there's faith there. There's a work for it. So number three, I'll get to the point in a second. Let me get it. I'll get going here. Be counted. Be counted. Notice again, verse 6, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for example, such reflection of patience. So number one, don't be corrupt in dealing with others. Number two, don't doubt his coming. Number three, be counted. So what do you mean be counted? Be counted in the sense that you're like one of the prophets who suffered affliction for him, who did not doubt Jesus, who looked for his coming, knowing that one or two things is going to happen soon. God will deliver me, or either he's going to come and get me. But either way, I know the situation will end. I will get through it. God will take care of it. God will avenge the wrongs. He's the one I'm serving. He's the one I'm going for. If I work my job like I'm supposed to, I should do it out of honor before I'm lost, like the Bible tells me. But I should more do it for the glory of God because that's also what my Bible tells me. He says, do everything in the name of the Lord and for his glory and be counted in how you talk and how you act and how you look. Don't do wrongdoing with people. Don't be corrupt in your doings and dealings with people. Hey, do the right thing because it's the right thing. Do what the Bible says because God said to do it. Not because you're going to get some kind of selfish gain from it. Or hope to. We need to glorify God. Amen. You notice this. <coughs> Number three, be counted in the right way. I'd much rather. I'll I, I, I tell you, I, 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 it works in my life period. If you haven't figured this out yet about me, you will. I, unfortunately, at times wish I was not, but I am high strung. <laughs> 
Let's be fucking that. I, you know why I like Peter so good? Because I can relate to him a whole lot. That's what I. That's how I consider myself. I don't like being that way. I honestly do not. Peter would, somebody would say something, give Peter a chance to get on the platform and speak and stick his foot in his mouth, and he did it. Man, I am right there. I say things, I don't mean it like it comes out. I wish I could take a bite. I'm blunt. I try to knock the sharp edges off my blunt words. And believe it or not, I have gotten a whole lot better than I actually years. And my wife will tell you that. My parents, I used to be way worse. God has helped me because I've asked him to over and over and over and over. I want to be counted as someone who has a good, fair speech from Jesus, not someone who walks away saying, Good grief, I'm perfect. Well, Pastor, I can't believe you said that in your message this morning. Well, Pastor, you called the heaven you told me this or that. I don't look, I want to be on I have to be honest and true with people, but I don't want to be belligerent or hateful about it. I don't be a jerk. So much of the time, I'm not careful. We count for the wrong things, the wrong ways. Not for the ways we should be. Not for the things that God has for us. Not for the things that God wants the glory to get glory from. You realize if we give God glory, that He gets glory through you and I, and He'll return that, He'll honor that, He'll bless our lives, He'll bless you, He'll do things for you that you can't believe. Amen. Under wildest imagination, you only trust Him. Be counted like what? Verse 11. He says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. The imperfect patience of Job. And it's in the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful to tender mercy. Oh, thank God for that. Amen. People ask all the time, why did that happen to Job? I'm going to be honest with you. Some of what took place there in that story of Job, even though God tells us, you and I still cannot comprehend God. You'll still not you'll still not totally grasp what I'll put in place. Right. You say it was a competition between God and Satan. You could say that, but really that's not true either. Because Job was the one on trial. Amen. God put Job on trial to get glory from Job's life, and he did that. <coughs> but if, as Job would have done what he's supposed to have done, that would have happened. Let me tell you So he said, I don't want to get off the side track here too much. Takes a rabbit trail too far. You know, I admire his friends for one thing. They came. If you don't know the story, don't worry. I'm getting ready to help. He, he, he lost everything. His, his, his kids, his sheep, his oxen, uh, you name it, his house, everything. All he had left was his wife stay beside him. He told him to commit suicide. What an encouragement. And he has nothing. He sent a pile of ashes and straightened his skin because of the boils that's all over his body. Hus running from him. Sickness. <coughs> that sounds entertaining, don't it? And yet, he never one time cursed God. Amen. Right. His friends came along and said, Dave, we're here to help him. They all sat down with him. I think his memory served their life for five days, I believe. He never spoke a word. It does take pretty dedicated friends to sit there for five days and five nights and never speak a word. I don't think anything that he was very good not. I doubt Job did, but I don't think he was eight. By the way, he just lost everything. He didn't get anything to right to 
But when they finally opened their mouths, all they had to do was shut them. There was nothing encouraging. There was nothing like, wow, Job, I can't believe this happened. You my heart breaks you, Job. I'm so sorry. He was, Job, you're just a no good, hypocritical sinner on this one happened. Let me encourage you real quick. When somebody's life has been kicked, don't kick them. Right. You don't know why they're going through what they're going through. Right. You don't know if it's sin or not. Yeah. By the way, what about your sin? Right. Thank God he didn't do that to you because of your sin, but your sin's better than your sin, right? I thought sin was sin. Right. Let me get back to preaching. I'm married, right? <clears throat> but the Lord is pitiful and tender mercy. Above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. But let your yea be and your nay even be made, which you call the condemnation. Number four, be a beautiful communicator. Don't be corrupt. That is coming. Be counted and be a beautiful communicator. He says in verse 12, notice how he ends this subject, but above all things. In other words, he said, look, everything that I've written, everything that I've said, let me wrap it up right here. Let me bring it down to this one sentence. Swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. Let your yea be nay, yea be nay, your nay be nay, be God will fall from the nation. I'll be allowed to say it. In other words, what he's saying is don't put God on trial and swear by things of the earth that God will do this, do that, or should do this, or do that. Or you're going to do this, or do that. Because you don't have that privilege. You can do it. But the Bible just says above all things, not to. Why would he tell us not to? I would say because God's not happy with that. Let's take everything we just said and bring us to an end. We've all have been wrong somewhere in our life by somebody. If you have worked a job very wrong, somewhere on life's line you have felt like that a boss, a company, somebody has done you wrong. And don't look at me and say, well, no, preacher. Well, <coughs> come on up here, let's start with flying. <laughs> We've all been that way. If not, if you haven't worked, then somebody at school. Your parents. Well, I know I get everybody on that one. No matter what your home situation. Somebody has done you wrong. They've corrupted something in your life. They've been corrupted. How they did things and how they dealt with you. And God is saying, if you'll just trust me and wait, wait for me, be patient and look for me to deliver you, I will come through for you. Just trust in me. And you have a chance to give God glory. You can give him glory. You can fight, murder, complain, and write and go and kick up dust. What do you think is pleasing to God? Right. Little Manny, oldest Manny, Manny's just one year old, right? A year and how many months? I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm simple because you can remember. I was up to the brain to answer that question. <coughs> Little Manny, 13 months old. She's probably still running the walk somewhere. She does decent. My old Kimmy is full. To be five in January. 
And both of them, without even talking to Jeremy about this, if you tell them something they don't like, they let you know they don't like it. Am I right? Mommy of Kenley and Daddy of Madden just said yes. And they all times are kicking dust. Kenley would go crying, throw a fit, and I'd say little Maddie does too. At times. My little puppy, I'll tell him not to do something I don't want to do. And she'll look at me and go barking and at me. What I want to do versus what I do is two different things sometimes in all these instances. I wonder how God feels when grown adults act like little babies and others. Rather than being mature, like you and I should be, and say, God, if I trusted you like I say I do, I wouldn't be feeling a bit Amen. I say, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't know exactly why this is happening in my life. But I know, I know you're coming. I know you're going to deliver me. I know you're going to take care of me. I know you don't love anybody else that you do me. I know you don't favor anybody else that you do me. I know that you haven't forgotten about me. And God, it seems like it. my heart is broken, my world's torn inside out. But God, I trust you. Amen. I want people to know that I serve the living God. I want people to know that Jesus died on the cross for me. If he didn't do it for anybody else, he did it for me. He rose again the third day to prove his love for me. And he saved me. He delivered me from death. He delivered me from sin. He gave me life. He gave me hope. He gave me victory. He gave me joy. He gave me something that this world cannot give me. And I want the world to know. But God, I want people to know. But I want you to know I trust you, Jesus. I trust you to be the reason. Rather than say, God, what do you think you're doing? And then throw a fit. You may not cuss God. You may not use his name in vain as we think of. But there's a whole lot of other ways we swear. Right? And we should not swear. And the Bible hates that just as much. Right? You and I are sometimes guilty. We do what we call clean cussing. I don't believe the things you and I think of. There are still things we say that we know that's been left. Be a good communicator. That's what God saved you for. Hey. Sometimes that's what your trial is for. It's just to be a light to somebody. Amen. You know the only reason God left us here when he saves? For one reason. I can say two or three, but I'll, I'll sum it up in two. I'll narrow it down to two. I'm going to take a guess. You give him glory, amen, and just spread the gospel. Yeah. That's the only two reasons we left. If it was not for those two things, when God saved us, we called home. Why else would we left you? You know, he loves us so much. That he's willing to let us take part in the gospel story. Think about that for a minute. The most perfect story that's ever been told or known by man. The greatest love story that's ever been written. You and I have to be brought up. That's a privilege. Father, we thank you again this time together. God, I pray. Lord, I pray that you take God's face. Yeah,
Lord, I hope all of you today, I wanted to Jesus, I tried to. Lord, I pray for the whole group of you. Maybe somebody watching, maybe somebody sitting here, God, I don't know who all this may have been. God, I try to take the office that you've placed me in serious. God, there's people around the world, God, who could potentially hear this message. Why don't take knowledge, God, and we know that they do. God, I pray, Lord, you touch the hearts. God, I pray that I have preached truth and honor to you. God, I'm asking you to do the part for me. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you draw the people to see you. Put everything else aside and help them to anything else that's blocking them away, blocking any hindrance. We pray that you bind it, you cast it out. And I pray, God, that you speak to them until you do them. Everybody else, that you do them. God, they see only you. Jesus, give courage, we're to you. We thank you, we praise you. And if we all sing, we sing this song. There's a need this morning in your life. You have something there that's troubling. You have something that is causing you pain. Or somebody that's a thorn in your side. More than anything, you don't know if you're ready to meet Jesus today. You got a beautiful. You ain't got a chance. You ain't got that hope. You ain't got that promise. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. How about it this morning? Why don't you come as we stand with this song? You have a need.